0: Amen. Our scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are uh, approaching the halfway mark of our series, a six-part series that we're dealing with relationships or what we call relation slips and looking at ways that we can gain traction in the areas of marriage and relationships and also in the areas of sexuality. Uh, Next week we'll be speaking on the topic of sex, premarital sex, sex within marriage. We're going to deal the week after that with pornography And then we're going to end with a teaching on forgiveness. And uh, so I trust these messages have been a blessing to you, an encouragement. Uh, Sometimes what we say sounds controversial, especially in this politically correct and yet messed up society we live in. And so the Word of God is going to sound sometimes controversial because it goes against the spirit of our culture. And again, I'm glad it does because our culture is really messed up. And so we need some truth. We need some guidance. And uh, that truth is always... Uh, motivated by love, but it's truth nonetheless. And we discover life when we align ourselves with what God says. Whether it's easy or not, whether it's countercultural or not, it just makes sense that the God who made us knows how we work. Doesn't that make sense? The God who made marriage knows how marriage works, how it can work. And so he offers us uh, that truth for our help. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, Paul writes these words. Now, for the matters you wrote about, in other words, they had written Paul the question, and he's answering them. He says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, he goes on, obviously, and expounds on that. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now again, we will return to this passage uh, in more detail next week, as we talk about sex within a relate marriage relationship. Now, Paul says in verse 6, I say this as a concession, not as a command. And then he goes on to tell us what he means by concession. He said, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. Now please notice, Paul is saying that being married is a gift from God. He's also saying that being single, is a gift from God, as each of you have a gift. Now, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, okay? So all you single people, look around at the married people who can't control themselves, okay? He says, it is good, I'm sorry, cannot control themselves, they should marry, For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Nevertheless, verse 17, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. In other words, they should walk out their faith as a believer wherever they find themselves, just as God has called them. Now again, this morning we're dealing with the subject of singleness in our series, and it reminds me of a joke that I heard this week, and I have to caution you because I didn't, um, I didn't run this by Vanessa. So um, it's not Vanessa approved necessarily, but here it goes. The question is, why are married women slightly heavier than single women? Okay, wait for it. It's because single women come home at night, they see what's in the fridge, and they go to bed. A married woman comes home at night, sees what's in bed, and goes to the fridge. (laughs) Is that okay now? (laughs) I'm safe. Okay. I ran up by Susan and uh, got the reaction I was looking for, so I figured it was okay for this morning. Now, there are countless subtitles or topics, rather, that we could address on the subject of being single or singleness. Really, what we're dealing with is a topic of singleness. Uh, we have a whole series on, on the things I just mentioned the area of marriage and relationships. We could do the same for the topic of singleness. Many, many things we could cover. Uh, but this morning, I'm only going to address what I really believe is probably one of the most important issues in our seasons of singleness, uh, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. So, this morning, whether you're single, or whether you're single again, or, and what I mean by that is single, perhaps married, and then single again, or even married. Uh, There really is something here for all of us. I've tried to design it in a way that we can all glean something, whether we receive it for ourselves, or whether it's things we can retain and that God can use in our lives and our ministry to other people. Paul said in verse 7, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. And then as you read the rest of the chapter, he elaborates on what the unique gift of singleness is. I came across uh, a few tweets this week from single people uh, who were commenting on their single status. Laura said this, So single that I'm starting a recycling program. Dudes from years ago are back in my life. Super environmental. Sarcasm wrote, Single and ready to get nervous around anyone I find attractive. One person commented on the relationship status. Just tried to reach for my dog's paw and he pulled it away. So I pretended I was reaching for the remote. And then Sassy Single tweeted, You're beautiful and I love you, I yelled aloud as I stood alone on the cliff. My echo replied, I just want to be friends. Now, The reason I mention some of these is because, in a sense, that's how our culture oftentimes views singleness, as kind of a lonely hearts group or, or somehow less than. But I want us to understand this morning from God's Word, that is not how God views singleness. That's not God's perspective. Neither is it God's purpose for singleness. Because if it was, Paul would not have said that he wished every Christian were as he was. Uh, He wouldn't have called singleness a gift. Now, if you think that being single is tough, try being single again. Dealing with the issues that come along with being single can be quite difficult, but dealing with the issues that come with being single again are quite different. And then different again from the issues that come with being married there was a man who was uh, slipping in and of a coma for several months and his wife never left his side and one day he gained consciousness just for a moment so he motioned for his wife to come near so he could speak to her and he had tears in his eyes and he said, Honey, he said to his wife, he said, I've realized while I've been laying here how you've always been by my side. He said, When I lost my job, you were there to support me. When my business failed, you were there. When we lost our home." you were with me. And when my health started failing, you were still by my side." He said, you know what, honey? And his wife's heart was filled with emotion. She said, what, darling? He said, I think you're bad luck. (laughs) What does it mean? (laughs) Next show starts at 11. (laughs) What does it mean to be single? Well, by definition, the word "single" means consisting of a separate, unique whole—an individual. A "Single" suggests being exclusively attentive, having single devotion. Somebody is single-minded, as David says in the Psalm, having an undivided heart. That means to be single. It comes from the Latin word "singulus," meaning one, only. So, the first thing I want us to understand this morning is that when it comes to singleness, is to understand that to be single implies that you are whole. In mathematics, if you have a single number, you have a whole number. That's what an integer is. That's where, where the word integrity came from. It comes from the idea of wholeness. To be whole, to be complete. You're not fractioned. You're not one half. You're not two thirds. You're not incomplete. You are a whole number that's what it means to be single to be single means to be a whole person now maybe you think well Paul you just said last week that the Bible says the two shall come together and be one or how can you forget the movie Jerry Maguire when Tom Cruise said to Renee Zellweger you complete me isn't that why we get married and this morning I want to say no If you think that being single means that you are somehow a partial person, then you will always think that you need somebody to complete you. And that's not what you need. What you really need is to understand that God's intention is for you to be a whole person. That one day, if that's the desire of your heart, you will find another whole person to complement you. Not to complete you but to compliment you. Do you see the difference? You see, when you don't find that whole person, then what do you have? You have the classic relationship where two people bring a whole lot of baggage and a whole lot of junk, right? God's intention is we understand in our season of singleness, whatever lands us there, that we can be and that we are in his eyes a whole person. And if there's anything lacking, he wants to restore that wholeness to us. So whether it's in another relationship, whether it's in a marriage, whatever context it may be, that we understand before him that we can live and minister as a whole person. Not to complete, but to complement. And not to compete either. See, a lot of people marry a competitor. Or they're a competitor themselves. And so we come together and what do we try to do? We try to change the other person. Or we try to outdo the other person somehow, and we end up competing with them rather than complementing one another. And that's why I believe that singleness is something, it's a gift, as Paul says, that has to be managed. And that sounds kind of like a strange thing, because you would think that singleness would just come so naturally to us. I mean, we were born single. You know, for a large part of our life, in our younger years, we were single. So how in the world do you need to manage singleness but when it is managed properly when it's managed effectively paul says that your singleness is a gift just as marriage is a gift marriage isn't better or worse than singleness we need to get that out in the open do you hear me this morning marriage is not better than singleness it's not worse than singleness it's just different paul says there's different gifts He says in in chapter 7, verse 34, that singleness is a gift because it allows their aim to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Now he's not talking about running away into a monastery somewhere and getting out of society. He's talking about the freedom that we have in our seasons of singleness that we have to be and to do whatever God is calling us to do. He says, in his case, that's a good thing. Whether it's free to spend more time with the Lord, whether it's free to explore different interests that you have, whether it's just the freedom to pick up and minister to people as God leads you—it's what Paul refers to early in that chapter. I think it's verse. He talks about being exclusive, or we talked about the definition: being exclusively attentive. He says that when we're in a season of singleness, we have this opportunity to really give ourselves to the Lord, to people. To, to ministries, whatever it may be, we can have this undivided attention, Paul says, if you manage your singleness effectively, you have time and energy to do the things that married people do not have the time or the freedom to do. Why? Because the more people you allow into your life, especially in the context of marriage or the context of, of having a family, then the more they demand from you. It's not a bad thing, but it's just a reality. It requires more attention. It requires your resource. It requires your affections. You see, the fact is, you cannot allow somebody into your life. You cannot allow somebody to to be your spouse and for that not to alter your life. And the reason for that is because when you allow somebody into your life at that level, you have to take time to nourish the relationship. You just can't go on your own and do your own thing anymore. And that's something a lot of married people don't realize today, that marriage doesn't just happen naturally. It has to be nourished. If you don't nourish it, it will die. If you don't nourish it, at the very least, it's going to exist in a weakened state. Far less than what God intended. You need to nourish your relationship. You can't have a spouse in your life and continue on as if nothing has changed. And hear me this morning, married folk, is what can happen to us sometimes if you you can hit a dry patch in your marriage... And then before you know it, if you're not careful, you begin to live like a single person again. Because you have that dry patch, because you have that, uh, you know, that rift, or or you just kind of allowed, you know, things to settle and become mediocre and and routine, it's not long sometimes before you start having uh, separate friends, you have separate interests, you have separate schedules, and before long, you have separate bedrooms. Marriage drastically alters your life. In many positive ways. But it also, you might say, takes some things from you. The problem with a lot of our marriages today, I find, is that we have a lot of married people who are living single. Who are living like they're single. And there's a whole trap out there for that kind of living. Now, when I see that singleness is a gift, and therefore we have to manage it effectively, what I mean is that even though there is certainly a calling to a life of singleness from God, what most of us experience is a season or seasons of singleness for which God has some great purpose. And I believe that purpose is for you to know who you are. And again, this is one of many things we could cover, but I want to focus on this this morning and ask ourselves the question, how do we know who we are? How can you know who you are? In fact, let me ask you this morning, Do you know who you are? Do you really know who you are? You may on a surface level, you may know some of your preferences, your history, obviously things about yourself, but do you really know who you are at the level that God wants to reveal to you? I believe it begins by realizing that you need time alone. You know, a lot of us fight time alone. Anybody honest enough to say, that? yeah, I fight time alone. Yeah, you find it easy to lock yourself away in a quiet place and be alone and really think or have time with God or really contemplate. Do you do that? No, a lot of us don't want to do that. We want to be around people a lot of times. or We want want to be doing something rather than being alone. We find that difficult. We also find it difficult sometimes being single because we don't enjoy that. And and what I see happen a lot of times if we're not careful is we end up inviting uh, people into our lives that maybe shouldn't be in our lives. Whether they're good or bad, whether they're decent or dysfunctional, we, because we want company, because we want a human touch, we want a conversation, whatever it may be, I see a lot of Christian people who kind of jump the gun sometimes in whatever uh, season of singleness they may be in, and they invite certain people into their lives, but they don't really benefit their lives. In fact, sometimes if we're not careful, we can actually use people to fill our loneliness, or we can use activities or objects, whatever it may be, but we need time alone. And we need time alone for the three quick reasons. Number one, being alone gives you time to know who God is. It gives you some time for what you might call God discovery. You can't really know who God is in a crowd. You can't really know who God is by just being in church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter how powerful the message is, how powerful the worship is. That's not really where you get to know God. I just finished the book of Genesis in my quiet time uh, for those who are following the Bible reading plan. And and one of the things I noticed is that for the, the, the people whom God touched and changed their lives and changed their destiny, they were alone. Abraham was alone when God met him in that tent and he brought him outside and said, look up at the stars. He had that time with God and God completely changed this man's destiny and he changed the world in many ways. Jacob was a man who was alone when he met with God and God wrestled with him and he changed his name and he, and he changed his destiny as well. Moses was a man, of course, who met God out in the backside of the wilderness in the desert. He was alone with God. Anytime that God is going to do something significant in your life, anytime you want true change to take place, you want your course to change, you want something broken, you want to move into something new, whatever the longing of your heart may be, however sincere you may be, you've got to get alone. It's not going to happen just through listening to somebody else or a podcast or a preacher on TV, whatever it may be. You need to get alone with God. You need to know who God is. When God met with Mary, she wasn't down at the mall with her girlfriend shopping. Right? She was by herself, and the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Blessed are you, Mary, among all women. She was alone, and God met with her. Changed human history. Let me ask you this morning, can God get you by yourself? Or is your life too cluttered with pastimes and even with people? You know, sometimes people put a lot of stuff on us, but I'm going to tell you, most times we put it on ourselves because we don't want to be alone. But if you don't want to be alone, you'll never know who God is. You need to be alone to know who God is. Also, you need to be alone because you don't know who you are. This whole idea of self-discovery, it's not something that can happen again where there's noise. You've got to experience privacy. Uh, What what used to be called in the good old days, solitude or, or meditation. You need to find yourself in a place where there's calm and there's quiet, a place of reflection. You know, I often counsel people who have gone through a broken relationship or gone through divorce or separation. I'll say to them, you need to commit yourself to a season of quiet. Commit yourself to a time of reflection to figure out what brokenness there was in you that contributed to the break of the relationship. You need time to do that. I'm amazed how many people today in our culture, and you know many as well, I don't say this condemningly, but we, we don't think it through as a culture, many people today consider being separated as divorced. Many people will separate and then right away begin to try to find somebody. Why? To fill the vacuum. It's understandable that that, that human craving, human nature to, to kind of need somebody with me. But you don't take the time by yourself to understand what broke down. What was broken in me? What was sharp in me? What was dysfunctional perhaps in me? Maybe there was nothing. I, I assume there's something. But maybe there wasn't a whole lot. But there's still Something. That God wants you to know who you are. He wants you to know what's going on in your heart. I used to run a seminar a number of years ago, and, and we encourage people, don't just go through divorce. Grow through divorce. Learn from it. Allow the Lord to heal, to teach, to restore, and maybe even restitution sometimes. But I encourage you, if you're here this morning, nobody comes to mind, but if you're in a, a state of separation, please understand you are still married. Does that make sense? You're still married. In fact, I encourage you, if there's difficulty in the relationship, I really encourage you against separation. Because oftentimes what happens with separation, it's kind of like cutting a branch off a tree. You stop that flow, that life flow, that potential, that connectedness. And again, because of our culture and the spirit of our culture, a lot of times when there is that separation, now if there's physical violence and so on, you've got to get away, understand that. But generally, for what our society calls irreconcilable differences, uh, if if you're just separating because you've come to that place or you're not getting along or you're interested in somebody else, whatever, don't separate because you tend to put yourself out there and become, as Paul says, you become very vulnerable to a lot of snares and a lot of things the enemy will set up to try to trap you and to make sure that there's not reconciliation or whatever it is that the Lord has for you. You might say, well, pastor, but I, I just can't be alone. Listen, you need to be alone. Because you may know what it was that broke down in your spouse. You may know all their problems, or at least think you do. But you also need to know what you contributed to the problem, and you need time alone to do that. If you don't know who God is, and you don't know who you are, then you'll never be a suitable companion for somebody else. Hear me, friends. If you don't have time to get alone with God, to know who you are, you know what's going to happen you're probably never really going to know who the person is that you're with. You're probably never going to take the time to really know them. How often times have you prayed, Lord, help me to really know my spouse? I don't just mean in frustration, oh God, help me to understand them. You know, they're nuts. they drive me crazy. I don't mean that. There's times for that, I'm sure. I'm sure as well. But we need times that we say, Lord, help me to see my spouse as you see them. Help me to see my husband as your son. Help me to see my wife as your daughter. Help me to see, how, how, while you brought us together, how you would have me pour into their life to help them be a better servant of God, to know you better, to encourage them in their walk with you. You need time alone to do that. And a third reason you need to be alone is you need to know what it is that best fits you, what best suits you. You know, without that, we end up just shopping for a partner like we shop for clothes. We do. You see it all the time. Relationship after relationship after relationship. Most times when you go into a clothing store, what do you do? We kind of know what we're looking for. We don't really, right? And that's why when you're going through the clothes or whatever and the salesperson comes up and says, may I help you? What do you say? No, thank you. I'm just looking. Right? Just looking. Must drive them nuts. If you're in sales, God bless you. That's going to be, you know. And then, and then maybe they push it a little further. or They come back a couple more minute, minutes later and they say, you know, is there something special you're looking for? And you say something like, no, but I will know it when I see it, right? So a lot of times we kind of treat relationships in that same way, as if we're kind of looking for a pair of pants or a blouse, whatever it may be, and we don't really know what it is we're looking for in that person. In fact, if we're not careful, we can actually be connected to a person that really isn't good for us. And if that's the case, we can kind of go through short relationship after short relationship over and over again, or sometimes we can kind of even bring that person home, let's say in marriage, you know, and realize it doesn't really fit after all. You know, you married someone who's not that good with kids or someone that you know abuse you emotionally or physically or or whatever the case may be because you really didn't get to know them why because you don't know yourself and you don't know what it is you're looking for you don't know what it is that best suits you and we get all kinds of different scenarios because of that if you don't see your season of singleness Paul says as a gift if you don't see that as the time to really be alone, to grow, to be, to be whole as God wants us to be, then when it comes to other relationships, kind of like shopping, we can, have, we can have buyer's regret. Time alone allows you to know who God is. Time alone allows you to know who you are. Time alone allows you to know what best suits you. And finally, I just want to touch on the fact why it is so important to maximize our season of singleness. Whether we're single as a young adult, whether we're single again, been in a relationship, whether a serious one, whether it's common law or a marriage, but we're single again. Or maybe, maybe this morning you may be in a married relationship and you have an unbelieving spouse and you kind of feel like in a lot of ways I'm single. I mean, we're together, we've been together, you know, but we just aren't on the same page and I just have a lot of different interests and I feel like I'm, I'm single as well. I just want to say this morning it's so important to maximize that season of singleness To deepen our relationship with God. Why? Because, you see, it's in our relationship with God that we actually learn what a relationship is. Does that make sense? God intends our relationship with Him to, to be a model. He intends to fashion things in our heart, our mind, our understanding, our relationship with Him that helps us realize, okay, that's what I'm looking for. Or that's the kind of person I need to be. That's the kind of whole person I need to be. That's the kind of whole person that I am looking for. We find that in our relationship with the Lord. If you don't do that, then what will happen if you date or get married is you will have experiences that won't be realistic, or expectations rather, that won't be realistic because you don't really understand what a relationship is. For example, a relationship in God's economy is built on honesty. So if I'm having an honest relationship with God, what am I doing? i'm being open with god i'm allowing him to look inside of me i'm allowing myself to be vulnerable i'm allowing the lord to show me things about myself where he needs where i need to grow Uh, areas where maybe i don't feel too comfortable but i can honestly talk with him about those things an honest relationship with god is about being vulnerable enough to open to him and make room so he can fill you so you too can become one in fact what you'll discover is that as you become whole in your relationship with god You look less for what the other person can give you, and you look for what you can actually pour into that person. It doesn't mean you don't receive things, but when you have two whole people who themselves are walking in wholeness before the Lord, in transparency before the Lord, in vulnerability before the Lord, then when you come together, you're actually able to enjoy each other more. And I'll tell you why, because I live it myself. It's because the Lord deals with 90% of the things in your quiet time with Him. And they don't get broached in your relationship. There are things that I've taken to the Lord in prayer where Vanessa's really got me going the wrong way. Now, you can't imagine that because she's an angel sitting there in front of her parents, so I've got to be careful. But there are things I've taken to the Lord where I've been really you know, frustrated. Like, I had a good cause. You know, great case. Laid it out before the Lord. And the Lord said very graciously to me, Paul, you're an idiot. And it wasn't even a woman's voice. What I'm saying is, the Lord has a way of bringing things into perspective. And what I mean is he can check my heart. If my heart is truly open to him, if it's vulnerable to him, the Holy Spirit is saying, Paul, I understand where you're coming from. I understand why you're thinking this way. But let me show you the motive of your heart. Let me show you where your heart is. Let me show you maybe a few areas where you're being selfish. Let me show you a few areas where you're expecting your wife to fulfill this need. It's not her place to. It's either the Lord's place or somebody else or it's even a, a need or an argument in your head that's been fabricated by the enemy and it's not based in truth. There are so many things that you can just leave in your prayer closet that the Lord can minister to, the Lord can bring wholeness in and then what happens? When you go to your spouse, you're not going irritated, you're not going you know, frustrated, you're not going ready for an argument. with all the, you, know, you know how it works, right? When we're by ourselves, oh, I'm going to say this, I'm gonna, oh yeah, that's a great one, I'm going to mark that down. You know, when we have our discussion, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark that down. The Lord eliminates most of that. And what he leaves you with are things that truly are the issue. And then when you have two people who are walking with the Lord that way, when you come together and there's an issue, you know what you do? Like we say many times, the issue remains the issue. The person never becomes the issue. And you face the issue together. Also, if you're walking with the Lord in wholeness or you're open to that in the relationship, discovering what relationship is as he models it in your own relationship with him, then when you come together, you're also able to contribute to one another. You're able to have conversations where you actually go somewhere together, learn from each other. Now, it doesn't mean that you always do it right. It doesn't mean sometimes you don't say the wrong thing or you're not impatient. But then then after that happens, you know what you get to do? You get to go back to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, I blew it. Or, or I, I was patient. I shouldn't have said that, you know? And then you actually, because you have vulnerability, you can actually apologize to your spouse. And it's a whole lot easier to forgive your spouse when you know that your spouse actually has a relationship with God and where they're being checked. Because if a person just comes to you over and over and does the same thing over and over, I'm sorry, bang. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? That gets a little difficult. Now, if it's something that they're genuinely struggling with, okay, you struggle together. But if I'm walking with the Lord, then I can say I am sorry. And then I can demonstrate there's a change in behavior because what the Lord is showing me. Does that make sense? So this time alone is so important, especially in our culture today where our lives become so cluttered, so busy. You know, we might even read a chapter a day to do our Bible reading, but we don't take time to sit. We don't take time to journal, time to hear what the Lord is saying to us so we can actually give us tangible things to say. I want to show you this, I want to work on this, this is great, this needs to be tweaked, whatever it may be, that's how we grow in the Lord. It's how we grow in our relationship, not just with our spouse, but with other people as well. I believe relationship skills are critical, especially for single people because, or in our seasons of singleness, because when a lot of us get married, we enter into a performance based relationship. Why? Because we see our relationship with God that same kind of way. I mean, don't raise your hands, but how many of us think here this morning, the thought crossed our minds, you know, God loves me because I try living right. God loves me because I try to do the right thing. God loves me because I try to pray when I can, or He loves me because I'm reading my Bible every day, or He loves me because I don't drink, whatever it may be. We need to understand, friends, there is no because with the love of God. God's love is not conditional. He does not say, I love you because. He does not say, I love you if. He does not say, I love you when. But you see, if we don't understand that in our walk with God, then we tend to treat our human relations the same way. We tend to think either, well, my spouse only loves me if, when, because, or I only love them if, when, because. And we never enter into the relationship God intends. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 8 that God showed His great love to us By sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. And that's why I believe that deepening your relationship with God, it means allowing Him into all the rooms of your life. You know, when company comes over to your house, what do you do? You tend to let them into the front room, don't you? Maybe the kitchen. But there are some rooms that people, you just don't want them to see. Isn't that true? And you know how you fool them? You know how you make sure they don't see the mess? You close the bedroom doors. Am I the only one that does that? Yeah. I guess some friends love to visit because, you know, they go to the washroom upstairs, whatever. All the bedroom doors are wide open because the rooms are spotless. Not in my house. I shouldn't say that (laughs) when I'm cleaning. Sorry, honey. What I mean is that if we have company coming, we just close. Like We probably close them when they're clean. We're kind of private people. We just kind of close the rooms. But, you know, we all know what that means, don't we? We're not fooling anybody. Nobody's walking down the hall the rooms closed saying, oh, I bet those rooms are spotless. We're thinking, I know why the doors are closed. I do the same thing myself. But, you see, we tend to do that with the Lord. We've got to understand this. As long as we treat God as company, we'll never have a real relationship with him. We'll never have a long-term relationship with Him. And if you never grow to understand God's love for you, if you never grow in your relationship with God to literally have all the doors wide open, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to allow the Lord to teach you what a relationship really is, then you'll lock Him out of all those areas that only He can clean. But if you allow Him to clean those areas, then what you discover is that that's how God makes us whole. That's how God brings confidence in our life. That's how, how love, the Scripture says, it's the love of God that drives out fear. It's the love of God that fills our heart. We're not afraid of judgment because the love of God is perfected in us. And if we cultivate a deeper walk with God first, with Jesus Christ, then we discover we have this incredible capacity to actually love those who are with. We also have a great capacity to, to, when it comes the time of the Lord's will for us to be with somebody, then we're able to give ourselves to that person as a whole person. We are able to be two whole people who come together and who complement one another and become one. It's a mystery. It's a beautiful mystery. It's a gift. Being single is a gift. Being married is a gift. So I just want to close with this this morning and say that whether you're single or whether you're single again, I really believe that our seasons of singleness are a time that are meant to deepen our relationship with God so that we will know what it is to be whole and we will know what it is to be loved. And you'll know what it is to complement and not to compete with whomever or whatever God has for you When the time comes, I'm going to ask musicians to join me. If you're in that season this morning, again, whether you're single, never been married, whether you're single, married, single again, whether you're called to a season of singleness or a life of singleness, or whether you're a married person who feels single in your relationship, I want to encourage you that you are not dependent upon another person to make you whole, to make you whole that your wholeness and your singleness is best managed through a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you realize that before God ever took the man and the woman and told them to come together to be one, before He ever did that, the very first thing God did was He made the man in His own image. In his own image. And what does that mean? It means that because we're made in the image of God, we can be one with God. We really can discover a wholeness that comes in our walk with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing when God brings somebody in your life that compliments compliments you and you have that life journey together. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful gift. But I want us to understand that seasons of singleness are also a time, a gift from God, if we will take those times to cultivate and to deepen our walk with him. Paul said in Ephesians 3, he prayed this as my prayer for you, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith why that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's God's heart for us wherever we may be. So I want to encourage all of us this morning, married and single. It's in our deepening of relationship with Jesus Christ That that wholeness comes. That if we're single, we can have a whole life. We can have all that God wants. Paul says even advantages to it. But if we're married here this morning, let me ask you. Are you looking for the other person to complete you? Are you using the other person and their shortfallings as an excuse for your shortfallings? And your inadequacies? I know it can be very difficult. But no one can control my walk with Christ. And the depth of my relationship with Him. That's totally up to me. And the Lord has given you the capacity to be full and to be complete in Him. There's another kind of joy the Lord brings when the two are walking together, but there's also a wonderful joy when you know as a single person or in that season of singleness that He is a friend who's closer than anybody else. I know some wonderful single people or people in the season of singleness, and they just have such a rich relationship with Jesus Christ. And I look at them and I just say, I can't wait till I see. That's God's call for them. That God just brings that other person along who's whole as well. And what he has in store. But in this season, as Paul says, there's just wonderful things that God wants you to experience in him. That God wants you to do for him. And you have that flexibility. And the Lord says, I want you to appreciate that this season, it's a gift. Does that make sense? Amen. It's been a while since I was single, but. Amen. Can we stand together? We're going to close with a song, and as we do, if you're here this morning and have a need, we'd love to pray with you. If you have a need in your body, need healing, come, we'd love to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know what it is to be whole, I want you to understand this morning that wholeness, that completeness, doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means there's a wholeness that comes through relationship with the one who made you. And if your hearts desire this morning, you said, said, Pastor, I've, I've come to visit. I've been here for a little bit and I sense the presence of the Lord. I want so much more than just church. I want to invite you this morning just to come as we sing and folks are dismissed. I want you to come and just stand here and one of our prayer team will pray with you and just lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord wants to wash away your sin. He wants to minister that brokenness, whatever it may be. And He wants to begin just to fill you with His life and with His fullness. Amen. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you once again for your word. I thank you, Father, that in the midst of living in a culture, Lord, that is so upside down, so dysfunctional and broken, I thank you, Lord, that we can experience peace and wholeness, not just for ourselves, but, Lord, you can use us to minister to so many others. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would stay in our heart, even if it doesn't apply to us specifically. I pray, Lord, it's truth that we can use in these weeks ahead as we minister to others. And I just pray for each one, O God, in whatever season of singleness we may find ourselves in. I just pray, Lord, for a fresh sense of calling, a fresh sense of giftedness, Father, a fresh sense of wholeness. Lord, for all that you have for each of us in whatever station of life you called us to, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.